on golf today. A lot of hardware handed out over the weekend. Kiwi Ryan Fox in St. Andrews and a dedication to a past friend. To Canada's Mackenzie Hughes in Mississippi where he needed two playoff holes to get it done. And England's Charlie Hull who used a birdie barrage to win for the first time in six years. And Bryson back to doing Bryson things, making mighty swings in the long drive game and making nice with a gallery rope. What to make of a one-time superstar whose Q rating seems diminished. And we are one year out from the Ryder Cup. Is 2023 the year that the Americans finally win again on foreign soil at long last? Jaime Diaz joins us. Look ahead to Roma on Golf Today. Golf today. Golf today on a Monday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch. Golf Week magazine. We had golf all over the world this past week. You had Texas, if you're into Texas, Jackson, Mississippi. We had St. Andrews, the old course. Now, what's top of mind for you on this Monday? I, I, that was one of my favorite weekends of the year because of the joyous carnage on, on oh, Lynx wow. course in lousy Scottish weather. In the fall. I mean, take Thomas Peters. He went out at Carnoustie. Yes. Famously the toughest Carnasty. course in Scotland. Yes. Shoot 65 on Thursday. He shoot 64 on the old course on Saturday. In between when the wind and the rain got him at Kings Barnes yeah. on Friday, it was an 83. Yes. He actually tweeted during the round. He tweeted at the European Tour to ask if they were drunk for sending players <laughs> out there. And Alexander Knapp, he shot 52 on the back nine of the old course Amazing. on Friday. And that's a guy who won on the European Challenge Tour a month ago. See, I've gotten to the age now where if the weather is not, you know, comfortable, beautiful, I'm just not going to play. You're not I, even starting in the rain, much less finishing in the rain anymore? I, I want sunshine, temperatures in the low 60s at worst. All it took was one T2 finish <laughs> yeah. in a tour event, and suddenly you, you've I'm become this entitled player. I'm making him. demands. Well, Paige McKenzie also with us on this Monday. Paige, what stood out to you this weekend? Well, I was in Texas where I had beautiful weather. I'm not shocked that Eamon would enjoy watching the carnage, but on the LPGA, I was excited to watch a fun finish uh, with three players playing tremendous golf to see who could get the tape the quickest. And uh, so I'm with Damon, though. When I play, I want the sun. Uh, I got lucky in Texas. Thank goodness I wasn't at the Dunhill. No doubt. And congratulations to Charlie Hull. More on her in just a little bit. It was a special week on the DP World Tour as the old course at St. Andrews took center stage once again, hosting the final round, the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. Great opportunity for the players to take photos, Eamon, with the the parents, you know, Rory and Jerry. I mean, we saw you know, the, the Fitzpatrick's in there, the Hattons. I mean, it's just beautiful to watch. It's a rite of passage, and if you can do that in a tournament setting with your own child, then that's a pretty special week. No question about it. With that, it's time now for the DP World Tour update. Here's your final leaderboard from the Alfred Dunhill Lynx. Ryan Fox winning by one. The overnight leader, Richard Mansell, ended up tied seventh after a final round of 76. But if you're Luke Donald, you see a lot of positive names on that leaderboard. And afterwards, Ryan Fox tweeted about Shane Warren. He said, this one is special. Getting a win at the home of golf with the family watching can't be beaten. Dunhill Lynx, truly an amazing event and can't be prouder to be the champ this year. This one is for you, Shane Warren. I know you were there looking down this week. He went, he went on to reflect. Brian, your second win of the season has come at this iconic venue in a marquee championship with your mum and dad watching. What does this mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. To be honest, the only person I can really think of at the moment is Warney. Um, 
yeah, he's, he meant a lot to me in this event and uh, was a great mate and it's a, yeah, it's a terrible shame he's not here, but um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy celebrating this one with the family. Did you feel his presence out there? You said you hoped he was with you? Yeah, there was definitely some luck out there. Um, yeah, I, obviously I was pretty nervy the last three holes. I didn't have very good shots, to be honest, down 16, 17, 18. But um, yeah, he was he was definitely helping out that putt on 15. You know, that the tee shot on 16 could have quite easily kept going and it stayed in. And um, yeah, he's just he was definitely out there with me today. You started the day four behind. You were three ahead after 12 holes, six under for the day. It did get tight towards the end. Tell us what you were thinking, what you were feeling as those last few were unfolding. Um, it's just trying not to make mistakes. I, I knew where I was and it's a hard golf course to do that. It's almost an easy golf course when you're chasing, you feel like you've got some chances and you know, bad shots really penal those last five holes. And um, I was, yeah, as bad as it sounds, I was just trying not to hit really bad shots and uh, thankfully I got away with it for the most part. You started the year 213th in the world rankings. You're now projected to 25th. You will be making your Masters debut in April. How excited about that possibility? I haven't had a chance to think about that yet, but I'm sure I'll get a few messages about it tonight. That'll be, yeah, unreal. Um, I, yeah, words can't describe any, anything at the moment, to be honest. And in position to potentially be the number one player on this tour, challenging Rory McIlroy, because you're now, I think, in second or third place in the DP World Tour ranking. So how excited about the possibility of going there with challenging to, to be the number one? I mean, that was, I wouldn't say it was a goal at the start of the year, but it was certainly a goal after the, the mid part of the season. And um, it's been a tough couple of weeks and it was yeah, nice to find some form again. And um, yeah, hopefully I can challenge Rory at the back end of the year. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't really, I don't even know what to say, to be honest. And in a better position now to challenge Rory McIlroy atop the DP World Tour rankings. You see Ryan Fox all the way up to third place and as mentioned Tim Barter in that interview ended last year 213th in the world up to number 25 in the world so the arrow is pointing up for the big hitting Kiwi Ryan Fox. Now speaking of Rory McIlroy after opening with a first round 68 and a second round 75 had some ground to cover over the weekend but put the pedal to the metal maybe just a little too late shooting that rounds of 66 on Saturday and Sunday came up just short Finishing the week at a tie for fourth at 13 under par, two shots off the winning score. But I tell you what, it continues to be a, a wonderful stretch of golf for Rory McIlroy. You see a couple of wins, the runner-ups, nine top fives in his last 14 starts around the world, the top 10s, the top 25s, just one missed cut. So 13 top 25s in his last 14 starts. So time now for a little buy or sell. So despite what the world ranking points might say, Rory is currently the best player in the world. Paige McKenzie, are you buying or selling? I'm buying it. Clearly the best player in the world. Uh, not only do you see those stats on his finishes, but when you consider the quality of fields that he was facing in that time period, a couple of major championships in there, the FedEx Cup playoff stretch, as well as the Tour Championship, the BMW PGA on the European Tour, on the DP World Tour. So the, the quality of people that he was playing in those events, I think uh, when you look at it in this stretch of time, Rory McIlroy is the best in the world. I tell you, Paige, when I hopped onto the OWGR site this morning, I saw that Scotty Scheffler is still the number one player in the world. He is the best player in the world. The four-win season, you know, we're talking about the player of the year, Masters, WGC. And since those four wins, a couple runner-up finishes, Eamon, 
including in the U.S. Open and a third-place finish at the BMW Championship. It's not like he's fallen off the map. He, like Rory, continues to play great golf, and I feel like the number one ranking means something. We saw Justin Thomas kind of say, gosh, I should have been there longer. We saw Colin Morikawa kind of bump up against the number one ranking but not quite get there uh, during some struggles at the Hero. Being number one means something. It means you're the best player in the world. And until Rory passes him, and it could happen any day now, until he passes Scotty, to me, Scotty Scheffler is the best player in the world. I think we're talking about, sorry to jump in, Amy, no, I think we're talking about different time frames because the world ranking goes back further than what I would consider to be what has happened in the last couple of months. And I think when you look at what Rory's done, there is consistency throughout the bag. There has been consistency in his results. And Scotty Scheffler, I will say, there has been a glaring absence in uh, a glaring part of his game that hasn't been there, that was there during the four wins. I kind of broke it down by the first half of the last season and the second half of the last season. Uh, going back to the fall of 2021 through the Masters, when he had the, the incredible stretch of wins, look at this, his strokes game putting with over half a shot around. The last half of the season was a completely different story, and I think that's where you're seeing, and that's why I would suggest that Rory McIlroy is better than Scotty Scheffler at this moment, in this moment, time frame right now, because I see a glaring weakness with what has been going on with Scotty Scheffler on the greens. I'm with you on this one, Paige. I, uh, Damon, you're underplaying the recency bias that the modern world demands <laughs> of us got, here. Got that right. I mean, you're referring to something that happened back in April. You know, Scotty oh Scheffler hasn't actually yes. won since the Masters. And in, in fairness to Rory McIlroy, he had every reason to have a lousy year because of the distractions constantly having to be the, the voice out front for, for the PGA Tour and advocating for the PGA Tour. Some of it he assumed, some of it was because he actually answers those questions when a lot of players mm. won't. So he keeps getting asked those questions. But what we've seen from his results this year, those 11 top 10 finishes and the two wins, and he's won twice since Scotty Scheffler last one, and he also beat Scotty Scheffler head-to-head -head at Eastlake in the Tour Championship. So I I'm with Paige here. I'm inclined to think right now in the narrow window we're looking at, Rory McIlroy's body of work makes him the best player in the world. But even more important than that, I guarantee you Rory McIlroy thinks he's now, the best Scotty player Scheffler in the world. Scotty Scheffler misjudged that bunker shot on the last hole. And you know, you know what's glaring and glowing? That green jacket in Scotty Scheffler's closet. That's what's glaring. The only thing glaring, and I would argue, Eamon, that you, you talk about distraction. I think that was fuel for Rory McIlroy. I think it crystallized yeah. his role in this game. I think it added to his play. Oh, I and maybe I think it could have been a distraction. I, don't th I think he managed it. Oh, he managed it. Well. It was jet fuel for his game. For someone, I think, in page, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to have had an ebb and flow at times to, to his motivation, as all athletes do, that this moment in 2022, he had something crystallized for him, and that was this existential and real threat and live. I may disagree with you on who's number one in the world right now, but I 100% agree with you that what has been going on has motivated and inspired Rory McIlroy to play great golf. Uh, it certainly appears that way to me, and I agree. I thought Distraction, I mean, that might have been a slip of the tongue because I don't think um, that that would be a great way to characterize what has been going on with how Rory has handled it. No, he's definitely managed that process very well, but you, there's a reason why so many other top players 
have avoided that question all the time and kept it at his arm's yeah. length, whereas Rory turns around, partners up with Tiger and yeah. various other folks to try to come up with a vision mm. along with the PGA Tour for how this thing can actually work and fend off yeah. a live threat. So what could have been an enormous distraction, he managed it particularly well yeah. in his case. But it, there's a lot of noise outside the ropes in Rory McIlroy's world, but there's a tremendous amount of stability inside the ropes. Mm. You know, he's got back with Michael Bannon after a brief flirtation last year with Pete Cowan. Really seems to have gotten his game in shape right there. And it's a very portable game as well. And I think this is underestimated as well. Rory wins at Eastlake and picks up the FedEx Cup. And then he goes to Europe for three weeks and his worst finish there is a tie for fourth. Yeah, I mean, this is point. a guy who is, he's got a lot of weapons. And when he's on song, it's, it's really beautiful to watch. And it, it's hard to see what, what a weakness is right mm. there now. Mm. The, the other thing that's worth pointing out is that the, the whole new proposal of this top tier players that are basically obligated uh, to play 20 events, Rory was very much a part of, yet he played less than that this season on the PGA Tour. So I think the extra commitment to the PGA Tour and his motivation to want to play that many more times on the PGA Tour, I think is also significant to where his headspace is at and how much he wants to play and how much he wants to go out there and continue to compete. Yeah, it's been motivation for Rory. He also seems to be having fun with it. It's allowed him to kind of yeah. use different parts of his brain and talk about some of the geopolitical aspects of this kind of uh, rivalry and contentious moment in golf as well. And Rory McIlroy is having fun and wants to play a lot. It's bad news for everyone else. <laughs> Well, Ryan Fox wasn't the only man who missed out on a place on Trevor Illman's President's Cup team who is consoling himself one week later for the trophy. Mackenzie Hughes ended a six-year drought yesterday at the Sanderson Farms Championship. More on that when we come back. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt Hughes picks up his second PGA Tour victory, first since the 2016 RSM Classic, wins for the first time and come from behind fashion, and not one of the 12 names to represent the international team at the President's Cup at Quail Hollow, and after his win, he was asked if that provided some extra fuel on Sunday. 
I don't know if it's extra fuel, but it was, you know, it was disappointing, and it, um, well, I guess you could say it was fuel, because I definitely, I definitely worked a little harder after that, and, and felt like that was a team I really, really, really badly wanted to be on, and I felt like I could have, could have been a good help there, um, and I totally respected Trevor's decision to, to go the, the direction he went, um, and the team, you know, there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a weak link on that team. There was uh, 12, 12 great players, and um, they had a really tough opponent in the, in the U.S., but um, I still cheered like hell for them to, to pull it off. And But I'm definitely motivated for Montreal, and um, I don't want to have to let that come to a captain's pick next time when, uh, when that comes around. And Mackenzie Hughes lives in Charlotte, so an extra bummer. For him, Paige McKenzie Hughes. I did that six years ago, by the way. We were on television together. It was Paige McKenzie Hughes when he won his first PGA Tour event on Monday, finished 2016 RSM. What do you take away from win number two for Mr. Hughes? You know, one of the biggest takeaways I had, obviously one of the things that stood out was the short game, the ability to get up and down when he needed to, both in regulation and in the first playoff hole. But what stood out to me was that final hole in regulation and what un unfolded on the 18th hole. Starting with that drive, we saw it in the highlight, but let's take a look at it one more time. You know what happens when you get nervous? You mentioned it, Damon. Your body stops working, your arms take over, you end up with a snipe hook. And this is every player's worst nightmare. And this was happening to him at the end of a golf tournament on the 72nd hole when he has a chance to win his second PGA Tour event that he has not won in six years. But he stood up and he made this decision. And I felt like this was significant. Number one, like I said, he was kind of deciding whether he should take the lead from this leaderboard or go ahead and play it as it lies. And he said, you know what, let's, let's hit it through the green. I know that I will get relief from that grandstand. And to me, when you got a little bit of nerves, you hit a bad shot, it's very easy for your mind to spiral, to not make clear and good decisions. So I'll give credit to him and his caddy of coming up with that and then executing it. To me, that was pivotal. Had he let that unravel, obviously the tournament would have not gone his way. But to me, it was those that response to a bad drive that I felt like was most impressive because it wouldn't have been any surprise if he mis-executed that punch shot, hit a tree limb, and it, it all would have unfold, unraveled for him. Uh, he did not let one bad shot determine the outcome of the tournament. I thought that was excellent. Yeah, I love that. The putter, short game, imagination, all strengths for Mackenzie Hughes. Speaking of strength, Eamon, over the last couple of months in particular, and really kind of since COVID is when he kind of dabbled into speed training, kind of following what, you know, Think about Matt Fitzpatrick, about Minji Lee. Mackenzie Hughes <laughs> believed he needed to get longer off of the tee. So what started in COVID with his trainer, Mike Nichols, that he ended up kind of dabbling in some speed training, but took it seriously over the last several months and was able to fly that bunker, for example, on five. Ball speed now up into the upper 170s. Maybe not a lot for PJ Tour standards, but he was in the low 170s. How much does that a factor in your mind? I think it gives him a lot of confidence. He's now even only two events into this season. He's averaging 306 yards off the tee. For the rest of his career, he's fallen in that area between 293 yards, 298 yards yeah. off the tee. And eight yards at that level mm. is a fairly significant difference. And, you know, he's been a solid putter. He's been top 15 on putting on tour for the last three years. And this week and um, this season, he's top 20 in strokes gained approach. He was 157th 
last year mm. on the PGA Tour. But I also think there's a bit of an attitude adjustment that has come in as well. He told a funny story during the week where he played a corporate event for his sponsor, RBC, and he was putting on his shoes in the locker room. Another guy comes in very flustered, running late, starts telling Mackenzie Hughes how, you know, this is going to ruin my round. I'm rushing to the tee. I'm pulling on my shoes here. It just means I'm going to have a bad day. And then he turns to Mackenzie on his way out and says, thank God we don't do this for a living. He had mistaken Mackenzie Hughes for just one of the wow. corporate guys who was there that? for an outing. And this is Mackenzie Hughes' way of making sure he doesn't get mistaken for the corporate guy going forward. I do think what one thing he does need is more consistency. You know, he wasn't really a candidate, except perhaps in his own mind for Trevor yeah. Immelman's team, because he staggered into the playoffs. He missed his last four cuts of the regular season. And for the last seven years, he's averaged more than 10 missed cuts a year. And it's very hard to do that and be an elite player, be first of mind yeah. when it comes to team events, because that implies a certain inconsistency through mm. the year. And actually had some strong moments in 2021, was in the frame for a long time at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, finished tied for 15th there, finished sixth um, at the Open Championship in 2021, but took a long time for him to get win number two on the PJ Tour and well worth the wait for the 31-year-old Canadian. All right, folks, let's take a look now at the Comcast Business Tour Top 10. The reason this is so important is since 2009, every player who finished in the Comcast Business Tour Top 10 has made it all the way to the Tour Championship at Eastlake. So if the players finish in the Top 10, odds are they're going to make it to the Tour Championship. And there he is, Mackenzie Hughes, number one, Comcast Business Tour Top 10. All right, folks, another player broke a six-year drought over the weekend. That was England's Charlie Hall returned to the winner's circle on the LPGA Tour. We've got the highlights. Plus, we're catching up with Grant Boone. He's got, like, a, a mind like a steel trap, I've been told. Great memory. Full recap next. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Well, here are the career accomplishments of Charlie Hollister's second LPGA victory. She's the sixth player from England with multiple wins on the LPGA Tour to go along with three on the Ladies' European Tour, where she won the Order of Merit in 2014, one year after she was Rookie of the Year, a five-time Solheim Cupper for Team Europe, and tied seventh at the Rio Olympics back in 2016. And Paige, you were on the broadcast this weekend in Texas and you spoke to Charlie Hull earlier in the week. What did she tell you? Yeah, I talked to her on Monday before we even got to Dallas and it's my first time going to this event at this golf course and I asked her about the course and she said, well, she's like, I played it twice and she played it back in 2019 
in and missed the cut. But then in 2020, the event moved to December. Because of COVID, it was shifted to December. It was a different grass. It had already been overseeded, and she finished sixth. And she told me, she's like, when the grass was overseeded, she said, I love the golf course. So there was something about how well she played back in 2020. She didn't play last year. Uh, she was able to then take into this week maybe some familiarity, knowing that she's played well on that course, despite the fact that it had not been overseeded. And for a player from England that really, she still spends all of her time in England, I'm sure Bermuda grass was not the most comfortable for her, but she certainly made it look easy on uh, this last week. Yeah, played it like a Texan the way she made those four birdies in a <laughs> row on the back nine. Great stuff from Paige McKenzie. For more on the LPG, it's welcoming Grant Boone, who was also on the call in Texas over the weekend. Grant, great to have you on this Monday. Let's start with the player of the year race. What are your thoughts on the state of the, of the race to this point? Well, hey, guys. Uh, first of all, it's important to note that the LPGA's Player of the Year Award, as well as the Louise Suggs Rolex Rookie of the Year Award, those are points-based awards. It doesn't matter what you think, uh, who you think had the best year. It's all about the points. And right now, Minji Lee, Brooke Henderson, and Ataya Titagoon, whom you see there, along with Lydia Ko, are right there. Non-major victories are worth 30 points. So just take a look at Ataya here. Coming into this week's event in Southern California, the Metaheel Championship, Ataya's playing. Minji and Brooke are not. So should Ataya go on to win for a third time in this rookie season, she would leapfrog both Minji and Brooke, and she would move to number one in that points-based race for Rolex Player of the Year. Now, she's also leading in the Louise Uggs Rolex Rookie of the Year race, as you might guess. Hedge and Choi hasn't won this year, and yet she's still within striking distance. I think it's a great debate. Should, should awards like that be points-based? You think about the PGA Player of the Year. It is points-based. PGA Tours Player of the Year is a vote. And I suppose you could, you could make a good case for either one. I thought last year that Nellie Corda had the best year of any player in women's golf. She won four times, including a major. She also won the Olympic gold medal. That didn't count in the LPGA points race because it wasn't an officially an LPGA event. Jin Young-Ko won player of the year because she won five official LPGA events. None of those were majors. Both had great years, but Nellie won you know, early in the year, middle of the year, late in the year. Uh, so as of now, uh, we've got a great race. And this would be a tough vote if you did have a vote, but it's points-based at the moment. Minji Lee with the major and another victory back in May leads it by a very narrow margin. It's a great debate, Grant, over the idea of taking out any kind of personal bias by making it a points race, but does that also make it more difficult to weigh whatever the intangibles might be in someone's season? Let's go back to this rookie of the year race. Athia Thetikul could win player of the year. She seems to be right now the clear favourite for rookie of the year as well, but that race isn't exactly closed either, is it? No, in fact, Hedge and Choi, who is a rookie this year, she's just 23 years old, um, you know, she's won 11 times on the LPGA of Korea Tour, hasn't won this year, and yet she's had so many top 10 finishes uh, that, that she actually is within striking distance of Ataya Titikun. So if Hedgen were to get a victory coming down the stretch, she could move up and, and, and replace Ataya Titikun. I think what's really uh, interesting and that I'm not a big fan of uh, to your point, Eamon, earlier, is that Hedge and Choi mathematically with, you know, a run of second-place finishes here at the end of the season, you know, could could overtake uh, Ataya Titikun in theory uh, and, and have the, 
Louise Doug's Rolex Rookie of the Year award based on points, even though Ataya would have won twice already this year. I think if you left it up to the players, they would say, wait a second, one of the players won twice, had a bunch of top tens, and the other didn't win at all and had a bunch of top tens. It's a no-brainer. You'd give it to the player who won twice. But that's what makes the debate fun, I suppose. Yeah, I feel like it should be a vote of the players, the peers. What do the peers, what do the players value in terms of the longevity of a season? What counts? What wins are bigger? I personally think it should be up to the players and not, not some math equation. Uh, oh, go ahead, Grant. I'd go back and I'd say, uh, if, if memory serves, and here goes the test of my steel trap mind that you, that you uh, <laughs> ballyhooed before we went to break. Uh, in 1996, I'm pretty sure Phil Mickelson won four times on the PGA Tour, but Tom Lehman won twice. His two wins were an Open Championship at Lytham, and then he also won the Tour Championship that year. Well, it, I believe Tom Lehman was voted Player of the Year. It wasn't that Mickelson didn't have a great year, but the players who voted, they believed that Lehman deserved player of the year because he had a major, and then that other big win was at the Tour Championship. That's exactly right. I think right. players generally know. I think you're right. I think Phil Mickelson never has won a player of the year uh, off the top of my head. That's one of those probably won't win any from it, now on. It probably won't uh, going forward. Well, it has been a big year for some players that we hadn't seen in the winner's circle for some time. Brooke Henderson... Charlie Hall winning on Sunday. What do you make of these kind of familiar faces finding success once again? Well, I think in the women's game, what we saw in the, the middle part, the early and middle part uh, of really going back to the end of the 2000s, uh, you saw the, the rise of the phenom. Uh, I guess you could go back, uh, you know, nearly a quarter century. It's always been that way, I suppose, more on the LPGA Tour than it has been on the PGA Tour. But uh, with Sabri Pak in, in 1998, you know, just uh, 19 when she joined the tour. Morgan Pressel, our colleague, uh, who will be with us on the call this week in Southern California, was 18 when she won the Chevron Championship. We had a bunch of, of, of teenagers winning on the LPGA Tour late 2000s into the mid, uh, you know, 2010s. Uh, haven't seen as many teenagers win in the last couple of years. Atai Titagun is one of them. Uh, and then Yuka Sasso was 19 when she won the U.S. Women's Open last year. But I think when, and Jordan Spieth has gone through this on the PGA Tour, when you set the bar so high so early, it creates a, a level of expectation within yourself, certainly your fan base, media, and, and in Asia that, that media scrutiny is greater than anywhere else on the planet when it comes to women's golf. Uh, I do think that it's common to see players really struggle a bit after having the early success. So NG Chun was very young when she won the U.S. Women's Open in 2015. She backed it up with a win at the Evian Championship the next year. She didn't win another event until 2018, and then not another event at all until this year when she won the KPMG Women's PGA at Congressional. She almost backed that up with a win at Muirfield, lost in the playoff to Ashley Buhai. Brooke Henderson burst onto the scene, wins a major championship as a teenager, the KPMG Women's PGA at Sahali, and the pride of Canada, the winningest player, male or female, on the major tours of, uh, from Canada, was desperate to win another major championship, finally got it done with an 18th hole birdie on Sunday to win an Evian. I just think we see it in a lot of sports, don't we? But certainly in women's golf, you set the bar so high so early, it is really hard to stay there. So true. Lydia Ko, Aria Jutanagar, and as well. Well, Charlie Hall played like a Texan. Grant Boone, you are a Texan. Thanks so much for a few minutes on this Monday. We'll catch up with you down the road.
Yeehaw. <laughs> Speaking of roads, let's get an update on the Epson Tour. The road to the LPGA on Sunday, Selena Borga fired an impressive nine under par 63 to win the inaugural Tuscaloosa Toyota Classic. Borga went bogey free on Sunday, carding seven birdies and a lone eagle. Well, things Bryson DeChambeau did and said used to be a regular feature of this show, but that was back when he did and said things that were actually worth noting. We're resurrecting it today, though, after his appearance on the weekend at a long drive event and a statement he released afterwards. Stay with us. Back on Golf Day, we're bringing it back. Things Bryson does over the weekend. Bryson DeChambeau nearly pulled off a massive upset at the Professional Long Drivers Association's World Championships in Mesquite, Nevada. Finished runner-up to his friend Martin Borgmeyer in the Open Division. Borgmeyer won with a long drive of 426 yards, 20 yards better than Bryson's best total of 406. Borgmeyer also hit a 415-yarder. DeChambeau found the grid three out of six times in the final after hitting a drive 407 yards to advance out of the semi. So here's Martin on his buddy, Bryson. That I wouldn't be here, but none of us be here in this environment with the technology. If one guy wouldn't have come in a year ago and make that sport what it is right now, and I think it's on a very good track to make it back. And that guy is Bryson DeChambeau. And I want every single one of you. And he also came second. I mean, what is going on? That guy is a professional golfer. And he's putting up these ball speed numbers coming out here, lighting it up in the final, hitting 400 plus. No one has ever done that before. That it, people don't realize how crazy it is to get from 170 ball speed three years ago with that swing. I mean, what was that, Bryson? Right? I don't know what that was. I mean, it was different, right? It was different. And he made that transformation and put us back on the table. And I want to thank him right here with every single one of you for everything he did. Let's cheer for Bryson. Let's go. Now Martin showing Bryson some serious love. Then Bryson went on social media to release this statement. A lot has happened this past year. My whole life has completely changed, starting with my first surgery sidelining me from professional golf for a while to coming back and competing in majors and starting a new life elsewhere. I'll be referring to live golf. Albeit I understand people's viewpoint may have changed a bit about me. I can tell you I've learned a lot about life and grown tremendously. Lastly, no matter what anyone thinks about me, I can promise you I will always give you my all. I care beyond belief and want the best for everyone. I hope everyone gets the chance to see who I am one day. I may not do everything right, but everyone's eyes, but I will do my best to be a better version of myself. U.S. Open champ, a live golfer, and a long driver. What do you make of where Bryson is early October 2022? Because it seems a lot different from where he sat one year ago. Yeah, that statement, which was heavily edited for space, uh, was Kind of, to me, a cry for attention. And all it does is tell you that Bryson, I think, is feeling a little bit left out mm. of a conversation. When you go back a year, and even a, over the last few years, Bryson DeChambeau was talked about constantly, week in, week out. And it wasn't just this feud that existed with Brooks Kepka. Sometimes it was some 
you know, unprofessional or childish activities on the golf course, but a lot of it was about what he was doing mm. in the game and what he was changing in, in the game. He's not part of any conversation right now. And to me, that's what that statement seemed to suggest, is the, that he's missing the attention of anything else. And, you know, it's a self-serving statement as well. You know, he says, you know, he, he cares about everyone. Well, if you care about everyone and you want the best for everyone, as he says, then maybe don't be a stooge for Saudi sports washing. And if you wanted people to know who you are, well, I think we know who you are. You've proven who you are over the last year in terms of, of the decisions you've made. I, I don't see it as buyer's remorse in, in Bryson in, at any point. I think he's probably enjoying live golf. He's in, certainly enjoying what they paid him. But the idea that it's sad in a way that this could potentially be Bryson DeChambeau's future is a guy who was going to entirely remake professional golf is now reduced to stunt golf in the Nevada desert. I just feel like he had the game in, in, in the palm of his hands a year and a half ago in Orlando, trying to drive the sixth green. I mean, that was a party. It, it just seems like there's just been too many missteps and even, you know, even frivolous ones, the, the, the argument with the gallery rope and, and, and blaming people around them, you know, gosh, guys, and, and then making a video after the fact and trying to poke fun at himself. I, I just, I don't know who's counseling him because I feel like as a whole, the way he goes about his business or went about his business was, was very much a talking point for professional golf and PGA Tour golf. And he was, I thought, learning at the knee of Tiger Woods, learning at the knee of Jim Furyk. I'll never forget seeing Furyk and Bryson in a group. Uh, we were at the PGA Championship during a, a rain delay, and I, and I thought this is a guy that has some pretty good mentors and people in his corner. And I just, you know, things Bryson do—they make me shake my head now. And I do think he's become uh, a star who's diminished, Q rating diminished. He's basically, you know, they go out the grid and professional long drivers. He's off the grid. He's off of most people's mind now, because live golf is not—you know—we talk about it, but more from a jurisprudence in courtroom yeah. aspect, but he, he's not moving the needle as he used to. He's become, oh, that guy from a year ago. That, that, that's just, that's not who I thought he was on the road to becoming. No, and if you find yourself in the dangerous position as a professional athlete where the people who are offering you mentorship or counseling are doing so for a percentage, well, then the decisions that are made become a little more mm. complicated, at least if, if you're the athlete, not so com much complicated if you're the management company, and certainly not in, in Bryson's case. But he just seems to be less and less relevant. Mm. And this is a guy who drove so much of the conversation. Mm. And, you know, no one's talking about Bryson DeChambeau anymore. And I think that's what he missed. He noticed over the weekend when he got some attention at the long drive, that's more attention than he's going to get playing in Thailand this week. Let's talk about the winners who didn't win. Page of the players who made a mark this weekend, who accomplished something but didn't quite leave with a trophy, who stood out to you? To me, it was Lily Avu. Uh, she tied the tournament course record at 63 on Sunday on the LPGA Tour and finished top five. And this is a player that's been trending in the correct direction. If you go back to her college day, she was an eight-time winner at UCLA, three-time All-American. And when she got her rookie status on the LPGA Tour in 2019, she only made one cut in nine starts, ended up back on the Epson Tour 
And in 2021, last year, she won three times to get her LPGA's tour status back. And since she's gotten her status back, it's been a tremendous season. Uh, she's had five top 20s in her or top 20s in her last five starts, and her world ranking is nearly the best it's ever been. Uh, she started the year ranked outside the top 200, and now is sitting in 52nd uh, in the world. And so it was just an incredible kind of season trajectory for her, but a, a great Sunday as well for Lilia Vu. I love that UCLA Bruin, kind of similar to you know, Andrea Lee. I think of mm -hmm. Lilia Vu, a couple of players who had some struggles post-COVID, kind of finding their way on the LPGA Tour. I'm going to stay on the LPGA Tour. My winner who didn't win, Eamon, is Ataya Titikun. Mm. 19 years of age, just finished fourth uh, in Texas. And this is someone who has two wins now, uh, probably going to be Rookie of the Year, though, as we talked to Grant Boone, points. You know, we're not sure exactly how it will play out. But she now replaced Nellie Corda as the number two player in the Rolex rankings. We have been talking about this Jin Young Ko, Nelly Corda rivalry for a couple of years now. And just from a symbolic standpoint, the fact that now Nelly has been replaced and we know that she was injured during the season early with the blood cloud, a very serious you know, situation for her. But just symbolically even to see a new name among those top two, uh, it, it's a, it carries some weight to me. And this 19-year-old with two wins on the LPGA and four on the LET has the potential not just for Rookie of the Year, Eamon, but Player of the Year. And that's a heck of a statement to make when you're 19 years old. I'm kind of going towards somebody who's a little over on, on, the, on the age scale here. Dean Burmester, who finished fourth, solo fourth uh, at the weekend at the Sanderson Farms, that he's a rookie on the PGA Tour. He finished top 25 on the Corn Ferry Tour last year got his card, but he's not really a rookie. He's 33 year, years old from Zimbabwe, but he's won eight times on the Sunshine Tour. He's won twice on the DP World Tour, and he made his way into a couple of PGA Tour events earlier this year, kind of by the side door, but he mm. finished tied 10th in the Scottish, Genesis Scottish Open, and the following week was 11th in the Open Championship at St. Andrews. And now in his first official event as a member of the PGA Tour, he comes in, finishes fourth, picks up almost $400,000. Yeah. He, he is evidence of how deep the global talent pool mm. is in golf, but he's really a guy I think is worth watching this year. And also how important this time of year is for some players, maybe not the biggest names in the game, but kind of finding their feet and potential to have a, a season that goes deeper into the summer, potentially all the way to Atlanta. Well, Paige McKenzie, great to have you on this Monday. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for the time and the knowledge on this Monday.